Hey, this is the Sports Best Podcast, the only show on the internet that God listens to. That according to the latest Nielsen report. He is Andrew Keller, once played God in the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. I'm Larry Olson. I'm also the show booker for Sports Best, and I'm currently trying to book an interview with God for the show. Hello there, Mr. Keller. Hello, this is presented by Repost of the Reposted Podcast Network. Fun story, when I was in CCD, which is Catholic uh, Sunday School, we put on the, I don't know if it's called the Passion of the Christ, but basically whoever was willing to take their shirt off would be Jesus. And I did play Jesus because I was willing to take my shirt off for the play that we did in sixth grade, maybe. So not too far off with your assessment. They're like the, the hunky Jesus contest every year where they like to pick the, like the sexiest Jesus. There, there is that. And I think the people that preceded me probably were that. But uh, I, was a, I was a little bit squishy. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm popping my shirt off because no one else raised their hand. I think I get more uncomfortable when a volunteer is asked and no one raises their hand. I'll do it just to like move on. I'm, I'm wondering like, if your mom was proud of you. Like, my son is Jesus because he would take his shirt off. And she's like, I'm so proud of him. Well, I don't think I went home and said, hey, I'm going to play this role because I was willing to volunteer. Maybe if she listens to this, she'll say, oh, that's not what I thought happened. But here we are. I could talk about hunky Jesus all day, but we got to get to the sports. We got another no hitter going on in Major League Baseball. John Means tosses the third no-no of the young baseball season. Baltimore Ace retired 27 batters based in a 6-0 win over the Mariners. On Wednesday night, he did not allow a base runner. He did allow a base runner when Sam Haggerty reached on a third strike wild pitch in the third inning. Let me tell you how stupid this is. My son is a third grader and he plays baseball right now and they have the same rule. So if your catcher sucks, but you're a good pitcher, he literally, my son struck out seven batters in two innings. That's not possible, right? Every single person he struck out reached first base because the catcher never caught the ball. And when he threw the ball, he threw it in the right field. Sam, John Means lost the perfect game because the ball went behind the catcher, couldn't get it. It is the first pitcher in Major League history to lose a perfect game on a third strike wild pitch. He is the first pitcher to throw a non-perfect no-hitter with no walks, no hit batters, and no errors. I want to get back to your son's seven strikeouts. Are you telling that stat as a fan of baseball or as a proud father? Because I'm not sure if there's seven Ks recorded by the scorekeeper. No, no, I go to the umpire. This old man is clearly like Malta. I'm like, hey, man, this rule is not really helping anybody. All you're doing is allowing runners on. You're not really helping because pitching is really hard for third graders. Like, you're just killing the pitcher by, and he's like, hey, man, that's the rules. And I was like, bro, it's about helping the kids. I'm not that. Listen, my son's an okay pitcher. It's just more about this third strike thing. It's just irritating. Mm. Are you keeping, do you have a book? Are you keeping score? Are you circling the Ks? <laughs> Got them looking? I, I don't circle the Ks. I don't do anything. Means, by the way, back to John Means, he had never pitched more than seven innings in a game. Then he tosses the no-no. That's an interesting stat, but also what happens now with baseball is a advanced analytics they're they're tracking the pitch count i think complete games are very rare now because it's like you have to protect the asset so i think not pitching more than seven innings before this is like interesting but you're not going to see many complete games if the pitcher's not about to break some kind of record i think i don't know if you disagree with that today's stat that's going to break your soul andrew it's the first time since 1969 there have been three complete game no hitters this early in the season 
It's been about that long since the Orioles had a complete game. 30 games. Uh, yeah, 30 years. Yeah, so both of them been a long time. I think probably it's uh, because Los Angeles County has moved into the yellow <laughs> tier of COVID restrictions. That's the imbalance with the universe right now. So, yeah. <laughs> so, as we know, Patrick Mahomes is part owner of the Kansas City Royals. And I think... If his manager got new rules and didn't read them, he might reach across the table and slap him in the face. Uh, <laughs> Tony La Russa, the manager of the White Sox, got in that type of a situation. He, the new rule is if the, the second, when you go to extra innings, you have the, the runner on second base and it is the last out of the ninth inning. But what the rule says that La Russa didn't understand was if it's a pitcher, you can substitute without penalty. And uh, after the game, LaRusse is like, oh, I thought Liam was going to be our runner. I wasn't aware Abreu could have run. I thought it was the guy that made the last out. I'm guessing you know the rules better. Now I know. So basically, LaRusse's strategy sounds like he goes to press conferences to get updates on rules. Um, here's, in, in Tony LaRusse's non-defense, he's like 800 years old, Right. Yeah. So, like, he's old, right? We got to give him a pass. He's actually 76 years old. He should be just drinking tea and eating crumpets all day long. He's trying to manage a game. I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass, but I feel like somebody on his staff is younger than 70 years old and probably should have known the rule. Yeah, I mean, who does it finally land on? Because famously, they had the rule in the NFL, and uh, Donovan McNabb didn't realize that you could end in a tie. Like, what? You, do you remember that? I Donovan do. McKay, he's like, the interview, he's like, I didn't realize the game was going to end. And so, I, I mean, I, I think <laughs> LaRusa makes enough money, and it, I think the buck stops with him. He should know the rule change. Like, if a, the, he doesn't have to read the rule book every time, but when addendums come out, maybe give him a read over. That's all Listen, I'm saying. Give Tony a break. He literally was coaching when Babe Ruth was playing, when they were using, like, Leather helmets, for God's sakes. How's he supposed to know he can substitute his pitcher to run in the seventh inning? I guess that's fair. Famously, he was also a pallbearer <laughs> for Lou Gehrig. He was a pallbearer for Lou Gehrig. Oh, all right. We got to move on to our favorite flat earther. Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> been fined $35,000 for violating the NBA's media access rule. I didn't know this. I feel like I did. Maybe in my gut I did. NBA players have to be accessible to the media before and after games. They have to sit there and be interviewed by the media. And if you don't, you for a number of games, they're going to find you $35,000. This is the second time this season that he's been fined $35,000. When asked after the, uh, when asked about getting fined by the NBA, he said, quote, I pray we utilize the fine money for the marginalized communities in need, especially seeing where world is presently. I'm here for peace, love, and greatness. He goes I, on to say, stop distracting me and my team and appreciate the art. We move different over here. I do not talk to pawns. My attention is worth more. I think you should sit Kyrie Irving down and say, what do you think pays your salary? It's not the owner. It's the, it's the media money that you're bringing in. But also every sport does that. I think Marshawn Lynch is the most famous because he's, I think, one of the smartest at least famous athletes on on money and stuff, he would show up to his press conferences and say, thanks for asking. And not say anything. Like, you don't have to, like, they can't make you say anything, but basically they're like, hey, 
buy a fully loaded Toyota Camry for somebody. That's what it's 35,000 went to. I, he's, he's appreciate the art. I don't, I don't get on board with that. I, I'm trying to think of the amount of money he, 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 he's going to get fined $35,000. Does that mean he just is, is, is lost re- touch with the reality of what money is that he's like, you know what? I don't talk to the media $35,000. I don't know what he, he makes $33 million a year. So I don't mm-hmm. know what he divided about another. Like, is, is it like, or that he just really doesn't want to talk to the media. I, I don't know what it is. I think he didn't really think about it. It's not like he writes a check. I think his wages are garnished. And also under the new mm. tax plan, the that's a write-off is a charitable <laughs> donation. And so maybe that's, he's probably talking with his, he called his, his tax man and said, hey, uh, is this a write-off? Can I do this? And so instead of meeting with the media, he decided to go. The Buffalo Wing Buffet is also a write-off for... <laughs> that oh Uh, man well jimbo fisher the head coach of the texas a&m aggies was in a meeting or press conference anyway he he went on the record as saying we are going to beat alabama this is such a non-story it's uh i mean i guess if they beat alabama in the sec uh, and they win you will look back on it like scott drew for Baylor, the basketball coach, when he started out saying, we're not here to win games or here to win national championships. So it's like, it's a great thing to say. He also said it tongue in cheek. And I was kind of annoyed with Alex Scarborough because he sent me this ESPN article that he had written on it. Uh, but then I looked into it and multiple people are carrying the story that Jimbo Fisher said he's going to beat Alabama. He's friends with Saban. He worked for him at LSU. Declarations like this are l- ludicrous to get covered, in my opinion. Okay, so my two questions are this. Do you think he's saying this uh, to poke the bear? And then my second question and the follow-up is, do you think Nick Saban even cares at all or will put this up on the bulletin board? I don't think this is bulletin board material for them. I know, I mean, the players for A&M are like, well, we, we have circled Alabama on the calendar. It's like it's a big deal for them. I mean, obviously, Nick Saban has more national championships with his six at Alabama and one at LSU than any than anyone else. Only sec- or first to Bear Bryant being next. Uh, I don't know. I, I, Saban doesn't seem like the Michael Jordan type where he'll use anything to fuel him. Saban seems like the tortoise. He's just slow and steady. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do. He's built a system that's like, even after he leaves, it'll have residual effects where they'll still winning because Alabama's turned into a football factory again, kind of like the Cowboys of the 90s. I just don't know if there's any win in this for uh, Jimbo Fisher because, I mean, he he got a laugh. He, he got a laugh. He did it for comedy. You, every, anything for comedy, I, as I say. Lay out for comedy. I like that. You know what? I'm in. I'm going to say some outlandish stuff coming up. It's like, <laughs> looking forward to that. <laughs> Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if you know this, Andrew, is not happy. The team drafted a quarterback last year and didn't tell him about it. And apparently he has not gotten over it. On draft night, he told the team he's not coming back. Reportedly, he's been telling free agents he's not coming back. Enter in. Mr. Brews Tap House in Green Bay, Wisconsin, that says if Aaron Rodgers returns, they're going to give him free beer and food for the rest of his life. Come on. Which is nice, 
but they only have locations in Florida, Kansas, Kentucky, Texas, and Wisconsin. So if he moves back to his home state of California, that's not going to work. I also want to do a little math on this. So it's him and his fiance. Oh, okay. If they go to Mr. Brew's every day of the year and spend $100, that's $36,500 a year. His career earnings to date are $241 million. So <laughs> I think good on Mr. Brew's Tap House for using this as an opportunity to get some publicity. I would have never heard of Mr. Brew's Tap House. And next time I'm in Florida, I might check one out. I'm actually going to be there in June. I'll look it up. But uh, it's a fun just, story. It's, I feel like it's a contrast. Jimbo Fisher opens his pie hole because he says he's going to beat Nick Saban. Mr. Taphouse opens his pile, gets all sorts of free press for his restaurant. Like, good for him. It's great. Maybe maybe I should open my pie hole a little <laughs> bit more. What do you think is going to happen? I think he's, I think he's going to hold out. I think it'd be great if somehow he just quit the NFL and slid oh. right into Jeopardy. That would Dude, be perfect for Jeopardy. It'd be perfect for him. I am crossing my fingers so hard. I'm kind of a little bit obsessed with who's going to get the Jeopardy job. They're saying it's the executive producer guy. They say he's got the inside track mm. to host it. It's not going to be Aaron. But I would love if Aaron Rodgers quit. What a great content for us. He quits football to be the host of Jeopardy. Yeah, this would be Jeopardy Best presented by Reposted on the Reposted <laughs> podcast. But also his fiance is an actress. And then he can yes. shoot Jeopardy in L.A. He can move here. Him and I can go to Nobu on Wednesday nights and get their special. I, I'm going to say this. I bet he could make more money hosting Jeopardy than he can playing football. Maybe. He makes a lot of money playing football. No, but he makes 20, like, let's say he makes $27 million. Like, by the way, they host Jeopardy, Alex Trebek made like $30 million. He worked two months of the year. They record those shows in like eight weeks and it's done. Well, I don't know. I think, I don't know if they record, I I don't think it's that short of a season. It is. It's crazy. It's like eight weeks. A year? I'm telling yeah, it might be, it might be three months. All right. I, I'm yeah. He works the inverse teachers. Uh, he does the right. inverse what? fireman. And then he can also be like Drew Brees and hang out with, uh, be a commentator. I think he can diversify. He can become <laughs> a lot more successful like Shaquille, like uh magic, like uh, Charles Barkley. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers is going to land on his feet. I <laughs> hope to, it's going <laughs> to, it's going to play out. Yeah. <laughs> I was worried about what was going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. He's on suicide watch. (laughs) Well, here's a crazy story. I read this and I went through a series of emotions on how I felt about it. But 15-year-old Olivia Moltier is suing the National Women's Soccer League in an antitrust grounds over its refusal to let her play because of her age. Basically, the National Women's Soccer League does not allow players under the age of 18 to participate and i was like you know what just play within the rules wait till you're 18 and then i realized by reading on i had forgotten this mls lets players play whenever they want freddie adu famously signed for mls at the age of 14 it's pretty common for 15 and 16 year old guys to sign and make money so um double standards all around i think uh, i think she's gonna win she's not suing to say you have to let me play but you have to give me the opportunity to try well there's no real right or wrong answer on this one right i mean i think so if you say equal i mean men can do it but it's not equal but it's not equal mls is in an entity and the wnl lws yeah. whatever this is is its own entity so one entity makes their rules 
like in football, right? NFL, they say you have to be a junior to come out. Yeah. In the NBA, you don't have those rules. Like leagues get to make their rules. And if the women or whoever runs the NWHSL says, hey, we don't want 15-year-olds, that's their rule, then that's their rule. That's their rule. I guess I'm speaking more of the court of public opinion. And yeah, I think people yeah. are going to be like, screw that. No. And and it's not worth a negative PR. Like I, there's no yeah. real downside. They're, they're not inherently taking on more risk by letting 15 year olds play. So you're right. It's not uh, USA soccer having a men's and women's team and doing something. It's two entities and they're a private business. They can do whatever they want. But it doesn't really make sense to me that they would hold out for, as a strict business decision. The but thing about this, I really always hate the parents, right, in this whole thing. Because, listen, there is plenty of opportunities. She might be a great 15-year-old girl soccer player. That, that's not what we're debating here. There's plenty of opportunities for her to play with world-class athletes. She could be on all sorts of, like, amateur teams, whatever, whatever. Her parents are making a point here to say, like, it's not fair which has nothing to do with her ability and getting time to play. So I'm angry at her parents for doing this. Yeah. I mean, who knows if it'll be a trailblazer for more people to do it. Like, I don't think any 14 or 15 year old is going to be the star of any league. I think it's a money grab early on uh, strictly for optics. I think they should let them do it. If you're good enough, let them play. But I mean, Maurice Claret famously sued the NCAA to be able to leave to go to the NFL. I think he sued the NCAA. It might've been the NFL. Anyway, okay. he didn't really go anywhere. You spend all your time worrying about a legal battle and not focused on your play. Uh, I wish her the best of luck. I think I have she'll a, land on her feet. I was going to say, is she going <laughs> to land on her feet? Is <laughs> she going to land on her feet? <laughs> well, an alert thief steals a backpack from an unlocked car. <laughs> what the heck? Who steals an arm? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> No, I mean the headline reads that a prosthetic arm was stolen. A South Dakota pitcher, uh, Parker Hansen, left his Nike bag in front of his house in his car. His car was unlocked. The Nike bag was stolen. Other stuff was in it, including his prosthetic arm. I think they're painting this thief out to be targeting someone with a prosthetic arm. <laughs> this guy just saw an opportunity. He walked by. He's like, "There's a bag. Car's unlocked. I'm gonna take it." Uh, as both of us have lived in San Francisco, we know uh, has, no one says, has your car been broken into? They say, has your car been broken into yet? I, I trained myself to keep a very clean car because if, if they see it, they'll take it. Listen, we all, some people are down on luck. They need to steal things. I'm not criticizing that, but it, the karma police are going to come after this crook. If he does not somehow slip this arm back in the mailbox, <laughs> you could go back to that house and just put it right back in there. I took your bag. You can have the arm. You know what? Parker Hansen has been a pitcher in collegiate baseball for six years now, which I don't understand. He posted on Instagram saying, I have more years of college baseball than I do fingers, which uh, was funny. But at the end of the day, Parker Hansen will land on his feet. <laughs> That's so great. Guess what? This has been Sports Fest. And good news, I'm going to land on my feet too. So it's Andrew. We'll see you next time.